Good morning. How's everyone doing today? It's good to see you all. Good to, good to be here. First, I have to welcome um, the lead pastor of Calvary up in uh, Dover. Pastor Ryan Kuhn is here. Can we welcome him? It's because of your church that we exist, like you guys and your vision, so that all may know, right? All may know the hope of Jesus. Like, you guys launched us, and, and it's because of your generosity and your vision and your leadership that we exist. So we, I want to honor you just really briefly right now, you know, so thank you, Pastor Ryan. Thanks for being here. Thanks for checking in. Good to have you, man. Oh, if you are our guest this morning, uh, welcome. So glad to have you. If you're online this morning, welcome. Um, if you are our guest, you can go to new.anchormilford.com and just let us know that you are our guest, and we would love to, to connect with you and, and, and just you know, kind of start building a relationship. Love to get to know you a little bit more. Um, we have been walking verse by verse through the book of Romans um, since about February. We've taken a, a few breaks here and there. We took a break around uh, Easter to kind of do the Messy Spirituality series, and but, but we've always jumped back into the Romans series. Well, I want to take a little break. This, this is what I believe really quickly. God, God created everything, right? Can we all agree on that? God created everything? Yes, God created everything. If God created everything, that means that God also created fun, okay? I believe that God is a fun God, and he wants us to have fun in his presence. He wants us to have fun with each other. And so I wanted to do a fun series, just a short, a short series for the month of July. I wanted to do a fun series um, called At the Movies. And you've, some of you have already experienced the popcorn and and I, I, I walked out of the room upstairs that I was like kind of preparing in a little bit and I smelled the popcorn and I was like, oh man, that's awesome. Smelled like a movie theater. So hopefully you got your popcorn. Um, what this series is all about, it's, it's about examining movies to find the biblical principles within. And you might say like, Pastor Ryan, that doesn't sound very holy. Well, I'll say this. I love movies, okay? I grew up loving movies. Um, family movie nights. I grew up loving going to the theaters. I grew up loving watching movies at my house. My brother and I, when we found a movie we liked, we would watch it and then we'd rewind it because that was before DVDs. We would watch it, then rewind it, and then we'd watch it immediately again. We'd watch it two times in a row because we just love movies. And I'm talking like comedy, thrillers, horrors, like rom-coms, action, you know, dramas, all of it. We love it all. I love movies. I love a good story. And I love listening to good storytellers. And actually, Scripture tells us that Jesus liked a good story too. Jesus liked a good story. And in fact, Mark chapter 4, verse 34 says this. Jesus did not say anything to the public without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Jesus did not say anything to the public without using a parable. Now, a parable is a short story. Most of the time, it was a fictional story. Jesus used fictional stories to talk about hot topics of the day. 
The, the parable of the Good Samaritan, that is a made-up story, but it's a made-up story to address our own prejudices and our own biases against people who aren't like us. The, the story of the prodigal son, that is a made-up story that Jesus used to talk about the grace of God. Jesus loved communicating in parables. This was his preferred mode of communication, and this month, this is going to be our mode of communication. We're going to examine some movies to discover the godly principles within. Today, we're looking at the Disney movie Miracle. Let's watch the trailer right now. Want to hear an amazing story? Back in 1960, Coach Brooks was on the Olympic hockey team. But a week before the games, his coach cuts him and sends him home. And that team went on to win the gold medal without him. Herb Brooks had given up his dream of Olympic glory until 20 ordinary kids. Why'd you want to play hockey? Isn't it obvious for the girls? Gave him a second chance. The Soviets win. My goal is to beat them at their own game. Beat the best team in the world. Gold medalist in 64, 68, 72, 76. Name? Mark Johnson. Buzzy Schneider. Michael Rizzioni. You're missing some of the best players. I'm not looking for the best players, Craig. I'm looking for the right ones. They were bitter rivals. A lot of guys from Minnesota and Boston. Yeah, that's gonna work. But one coach had a plan to turn them into a team. I got no time for quitters. You want me to play, huh? I want you to be a hockey player! I am a hockey player! Think that'll get them going? Oh, yeah. When you face the impossible... Russia's main weapon is intimidation. This guy's ever swell? They're Russians. They get shot if they smile. And you refuse to give up. I didn't think it was gonna be this hard. Yeah, you did. We start becoming a team right now. Miracles can happen. When you pull on that jersey, the name on the front is more important than the one on the back. Michael Ruggioni. Who do you play for? I play for the United States of America. Welcome to the Olympics, gentlemen. Walt Disney Pictures presents. This is something that this country is ready for. Great moments are born from great opportunity. If we play them 10 times, they might win nine, but not this game. Listen to it. We can beat these guys. Discover the story. This is your time. Behind the greatest moment in sports history. Miracle is a story of the 1980 USA hockey team um, at the, winning the gold medal at the Lake Placid Winter Olympics. Um, but if you dig a little bit deeper, Miracle is a tale of defeating giants. Miracle is a story of, of taking down the impossible, thing, things that seem impossible and overcoming them. Today, the title of my message is Taking Down a Giant taking down a giant. I want to see what scripture has to tell us about taking down a giant. But first, I would define a giant as any obstacle standing in your way, any obstacle that's keeping you from experiencing the freedom found in the arms of our Savior. That's what a giant is. For, for some people, a giant could be addiction, 
alcohol addiction or drug addiction or addiction to pornography or whatever, whatever the addiction is, addiction to work. um, um, A giant could be that. That could be your obstacle. For some other people, um, giant could be their unbelief. I just can't believe in a God who's off in heaven somewhere and he's in charge of everything. I just can't wrap my head around it. Maybe that's your giant. Or maybe I, I don't understand how if God is good, he can let bad things happen. Maybe that's your giant today. Still for others, a giant might be past trauma or past pain, past hurts that, that they just can't get past. They just can't let go of. Past abuse Current abuse, that could be your giant today. I had three giants in my life that, that were keeping me from experiencing that all God had for me. Three giants that I had to face through the power of the Holy Spirit. Three giants that I had to stand up to to get all that God wanted for me. I want to look at scripture and, and what it has to tell us today about taking down the giants in our lives today. But first, would you pray with me? Let's pray this morning. Let's go to the Lord and, and petition him. God, thank you. Thank you for your word, God. I pray that it would pierce our souls this morning, that we would hear the principles, hear the truths in your word, and we would take them, God, and we would apply them to to our lives. God, speak to us today. I don't want it to be my words. I want it to be your words flowing through me, Holy Spirit. Draw us closer to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up or turn it on to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Bible is full of stories and the Bible is full of, of, of principles. And, and these principles we can find in everyday life even today. And, that, and that's kind of what this whole series is about is, is finding the biblical principles in, in, in everyday life today. And when I think about taking down a giant... I can't help but think about David and Goliath, and that's what we're going to read today. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. If you don't know this story, it's, it, it can get pretty crazy, so just, just stick with me. Uh, verse 4. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of uh, mail weighed 125 pounds. So uh, Israel had an army and they were constantly at odds with the Philistine army. The Philistine army was like their arch rivals. And in this Philistine army, there was this giant, his name was Goliath, and he was like the biggest, scariest warrior in the land. Now, some theologians debate whether or not he was literally nine feet tall or if the Bible was just using hyperbole to make a point. All that matters is that you know is he was really big and scary. That's, that's the most important thing. He was gigantic and, and everyone was afraid of him. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. 
When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. When Goliath said, choose one man to come and fight me, this was customary in that part of the world at that time period. Um, the, the best fighter of this army would take on the best fighter of this army one-on-one, and they would do this to try to spare death, right, to an entire army. So, like, this was customary, and that's what was going on here. He, he was saying, let's, let's do this one-on-one thing to see who is actually better, and the Philistines, like I said, they were arch rivals. They were arch rivals of, of the, the people of God, arch rivals of Israel. They're constantly in, in conflict with each other. And the Philistine army was bigger than Israel. They were stronger than Israel. They were more equipped than Israel. Like not only was Goliath a giant human being, metaphorically speaking, the Philistine army was a giant to the Israelites. They, there was no way for the Israelites to defeat the Philistine armies in their heads. And after this, um, Scripture introduces us to a kid named David. Now, what it tells us about David is that David is the son of a man named Jesse. He's a shepherd, and he's an errand boy. David is just a child. He's just a child, and, and he's getting ready to run a, um, a, an errand for his dad. And, and if you don't know the story, you might, you might ask, like, what does a child have to do with this story? Jump to verse 16. For 40 days every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse, David's father, said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. No one in the entire Israelite army is up to the challenge of fighting this champion, Goliath. No one. Not one person. But David shows up, this little shepherd boy who's running an errand for his dad. He shows up, and he sees what's going on, and he doesn't, he's not going to stand for it. He's looking for a fight. Verse 26, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He looked over to some of the others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. So David, the little shepherd boy, he's running an errand for his dad. He, he's looking for a fight. And his oldest brother sees this, and I think, in my opinion, this is just conjecture, right? It doesn't, doesn't say this, but in my opinion, he, he, 
the oldest brother sees this, and he's been scared for 40 days, but he sees his little brother looking for a fight, and, and I think he's probably a little embarrassed, so he tries to put him down. What are you doing here? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see a battle. Again, that's my, that's my conjecture, but I can see it playing out like that in my head. He's looking for a fight, and, and word gets back to the Israelite king. Hey, there's this little boy that wants to fight Goliath. And so he's like, all right, bring him to me. And, and that's what happens next. Uh, verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So David is, he is trying so hard to convince this, this Israelite king Saul to let him go fight this, this champion Philistine giant, right? And he finally gives in. He's fine, go ahead, which surprises me because the consequence if David loses is Israel becomes the slaves of the Philistines, right? So Saul sends this little boy to go fight this war-seasoned giant, and it doesn't look like it's going to go well on paper. Um, he, tells, he tells David to go for it, though. Verse 38, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Jumped down, I think, to verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David. At this time, David took off all the, the armor, and he just grabbed five stones, a sling, and a stick. And he started making his way to Goliath. Goliath walked out toward David with a shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Goliath, the giant, sees this little boy coming to fight him with a stick and, and a little sling. And he's like almost offended. He's, he's almost offended that this is who Israel sends. And so he's making these claims, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear you up and I'm going to feed you to the, the, the wild animals. He totally underestimates David, totally. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not, by sword, uh, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. 
Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Wow. What a story. What a story. With the odds completely stacked against David, he eagerly pursues this fight, this battle with a giant. And Goliath is a warrior since his youth who is older. He's more experienced than David. He's better equipped with David. David fights him. David wins. David gets the victory. David defeats the giant that looked impossible to beat. Like David, like the USA hockey team faced the giant that uh, uh, was deemed unbeatable, I think we face giants that we, we perceive as unbeatable. We, we face giants that seem impossible. Again, the, the USA hockey team, they faced the giant in the Russian hockey team. The best hockey team in the world. There was no way that anyone could beat them. They even, the, this, hockey, this Russian hockey team even played the NHL All-Stars all and destroyed them six to nothing. The whole world agreed that it was an impossible feat to take down the giant of the Russian hockey team. But Coach Herb Brooks, he believed that it was possible. And he got his team to believe that it was possible to take down a giant. Taking down giants is possible for Bible heroes. Taking down giants is possible for sports heroes. Taking down giants is possible for you. It's possible for you. It's possible for you. It's possible for me. By the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some do's and don'ts, though, that David observed. There are some do's and don'ts that, that the USA hockey team practiced that um, helped them take down the Giants. See, Giants don't just fall down on their own. They don't, just, they don't just come down without a fight. But in the fight, there were some do's and don'ts that I want to look at today. I want to talk about the do's and don'ts when fighting the Giants in your life. If you're going to overcome Giants in your life, the first one, don't fall prey to the critics. If you're going to overcome that giant of addiction, that, that giant of unbelief, the giant of apathy, the giant of bitterness, whatever the giant is in your life, if you're going to overcome that giant, do not fall prey to your critics. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28 says, But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways? What about those few sheep you should be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Even Saul. Saul said, it's not possible for you to win this fight. You cannot fall prey to your critics. Take a look at this video clip. Walls here. Well, just about anybody who's got a say in this thing. Bob Fleming, the International Council, USA Hockey, Lou Nanny, I think you know from the NHL. The only way Bob we can compete with Eastern Bloc teams is if we're willing to change. Change what? Change the way we train, the way we prepare, even change our schedule. No. Kind of schedule changes. I, I think we need to make it longer, you know, tougher, much more competitive. Longer? You gonna pay for that? We, uh, we also need to change the way we play the game. What exactly does that mean? My plan is to adopt a new style, a hybrid of the Soviet school and the Canadian school. A combination that requires the highest level of conditioning, speed, creativity, most of all, team chemistry. You actually think you can take a bunch of kids that never played together and teach them a whole new style of play in the time we have? Okay, well, here's the North American What if these kids can't pick it up fast enough? Now, we all know we're a long shot for a medal, but we don't want to get embarrassed either. That's right. Four years ago, our Olympic team lost to the Czech B team. I think it was 15 to 1. You know, all due respect, I don't think we can embarrass ourselves anymore than that. No, that's we put our best on the ice with them last year. 
Professional all-stars. They still beat us. It wasn't because you weren't good enough. All-star teams fail because they rely solely on the individual's talent. The Soviets win because they take that talent and they use it inside a system that's designed for the betterment of the team. My goal is to beat them at their own game. Beat the best team in the world. Gold medalist in 64, 68, 72, 76. It's a pretty lofty goal, Herb. That's why I want to pursue it. <laughs> well, fellas, any more questions? I'm good. Nope. So like David, Coach Herb Brooks had had critics. These guys, he hadn't even been, he hadn't even been uh, awarded the job yet, and these guys were already criticizing his methods. What, what he was talking about was crazy to them. Just like, just like David. What David was talking about was crazy to everybody who was listening. But you cannot fall prey to your critics. To take down a giant that nobody's ever taken down before you're going to have to do things that many people might think are a bad idea. To take down a giant that nobody's taken down before, you're going to have to do things that might seem odd to people, things that, that might be um, criticized. If you're going to change your life, if you're going to take down the giants in your life, you have to do things that, that others are going to deem crazy. Your family might think it's crazy. Your friends might think it's crazy. Your coworkers, your classmates, whatever. They might, they might criticize your decisions to honor God. They might criticize your decisions to change the way you live, to change things. But, but just like David, just like Coach Herb Brooks, you cannot fall prey to your critics. If, if your giant is addiction, you... You have to make the choice not to put yourself in compromising situations. If your giant is negativity and complaining, you have to make the choice not to put yourself around negativity and complaining. And these, these choices can be criticized if, if it's outside of your norm, but you have to make the decisions that are best for you when it comes to taking down the giants in your life and not be afraid of your critics. You cannot fall prey to them. You cannot worry about what people are going to say about you. So if you're going to overcome the giants in your life, it's the first one. Don't fall prey to your critics. Secondly, if you're going to take down the giants in your life, don't forget who you're fighting for. Don't forget who you're fighting for. 1 Samuel 17, 45 says, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Let's watch this video clip. This cannot be a team of common men, because common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon, again. Herb, this has gone on long enough. Everybody on that line. Somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> hey. Come on, Craig, go to whistle. Michael Ruzioni! Went through Massachusetts! Who do you play for? I play for the United States of America! That's all, gentlemen. The Israelite army forgot who they were fighting for. That's why they were afraid. 
That's why nobody wanted to step up to the challenge to fight the Philistine champion that was defying the living God. They forgot who they were fighting for. And I think the United States hockey team forgot who they were fighting for. What I didn't show you was um, all the training up to that point the coach Hurt Brooks, he would call out individual players. Hey, who are you and who do you play for? I'm this person and I play for Boston University. I'm this person and I play for the University of Minnesota. They had been segmented. They had been, they had been divided because they forgot what the goal was. They forgot who they were actually fighting for. And it was this big moment of unity when, when this one guy, the captain of the team, realized, oh, I play for the United States of America. That's who I'm, that's who I'm fighting for. David always remembered who he was fighting for. And I think when we fight for ourselves, we limit ourselves by what's possible. I think when we fight for ourselves, we hold ourselves back by what we think we can actually achieve. But when we understand that we're fighting for the living God, we understand that anything's possible. We understand that anything is possible. So you don't forget who you're fighting for. Pastor Ryan, I can't take down that giant of addiction. I can't take down that giant of unbelief. I can't take down that giant of past hurts. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That principle, there's a principle there. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can overcome any giant put in my path. If you're going to take down the giants in your life, you're going to need to operate in the Holy Spirit. You're going to need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to take down those giants. And when you operate by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that can stop you because the living God is empowering you. When you're fighting for yourself, when you're fighting for yourself, like you're trying to bring glory to you. But when, you're fight, when you remember who you're fighting for, you're fighting for the living God, all glory goes to him. Don't forget who you're fighting for. So if you're going to overcome the giants in your life, don't fall prey to the critics. Second, if you're going to overcome the giants in your life, don't forget who you're fighting for. Next, if you're going to overcome the giants in your life, do fight with confidence. Do fight with confidence. 1 Samuel 17, 46 says, Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Let's watch right now. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight.
This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Coach Herb Brooks and the USA hockey team knew with every fiber of their being that they could beat this team. They knew it, and they played like it. David knew with every fiber of his being that God would help him win the fight with his giant. And he talked like it, and he acted like it. He knew that God was on his side. He knew that he would beat the giant. To take down the giants in your life, you have to fight with confidence. You have to fight with confidence. You can't fight half-heartedly. There has to be confidence there. Psalm 27.1, this is also David. David wrote this, this psalm that I'm about to read, um, and I think it's fitting. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When God is on your side, have confidence. God doesn't know how to lose. He doesn't understand defeat. So if, if, you, if you belong to Jesus and he lives inside of you, victory is yours. You just have to keep fighting. You just have to keep pursuing him. You just have to keep relying on him. Fight with confidence. If God is for you, who can be against you? God does not lose. And if he lives in you, you cannot lose when you fight the giants in your life. Whatever those giants are, however impossible they seem, you cannot lose when you have the living God on your side. So if you're going to overcome the giants in your life, don't fall prey to the critics. Second, if you're going to overcome the giants in your life, don't forget who you're fighting for. Third, if, if you're going to take down the giants in your life, do fight with confidence. And lastly, to take down the giants in your life, do believe in miracles. Do believe that miracles exist. 1 Samuel 17, 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Check this out. This late in the game, and that's exactly what the West team is doing. Across the Shot kicked away by Craig. Over to Monza, moving in on the net. Back stop by Craig. Chip it out! Chip it out! Come on, boys, chip it out! He doesn't know what to do! 36 seconds. Makarov over the blue line to Maltzev. Another save! Fighting for position. Marlow trying to get it away from Harlemov along the board. The U.S. huge underdogs. Leading the Soviet Union. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Tomorrow. Oh, 
to even be able to take down the giant of the Soviet hockey team, Coach Herb Brooks had to believe that miracles existed. Because <laughs> on paper, there was no way they should have beat that team. It, there's even a scene in the movie where he goes player by player comparing the Soviet team to his team. And he says, there's just no way. There's no way for it to happen. On paper, there's no way to have victory. But he believed in miracles. David believed that miracles existed. Otherwise, why would he say, I'll fight the giant? I'm just a little boy, but I'll fight this war season giant. To take down the giants in your life, you have to believe that miracles exist or there's no point in even trying. You have to believe that there's divine intervention or there's no point in even doing it. USA hockey team had to believe it or there's no point in playing the game. David, if David didn't believe that miracles existed, there would have been no point to him even trying to take down Goliath. If you're going to take down the giants in your life, if you're going to do the impossible, you have to believe that miracles exist. You have to believe that, that God wants to work in your favor. He, he wants to work for the good of you, for the good of your family. Miracles can happen. We have to believe it, though. So if you're going to take down a giant, if you're going to take down the giants in your life, don't fall prey to your critics. Don't forget who you're fighting for. Do fight with confidence and do believe in miracles. Taking down the giants in your life draws you closer to the Lord. It, it, it draws you closer to him. It, it makes you lean on him more because you know you can't do it on your own. You need him to help you, so you, you then begin to lean on him more. Taking down the giants in your life, it removes the barriers between you and him that, that keep you from experiencing the fullness of his presence. Taking down the giants in your life ultimately brings glory to God, and it's an incredible witness to his power and his love. God wants to empower you to take down the giants in your life, whatever those giants are, however big, however small, he wants to empower you to take those giants down, the giant of addiction. He wants to empower you to take down the giant of belief, the giant of bitterness, the giant of apathy. He wants to empower you to, to take down the giant of living in fear of what seems impossible. He wants that for you. He wants you to, to, to be empowered to do that. We can take giants down in our life if we live by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to live in bondage and fear to the, to the things that seem impossible because we serve a living God who anything is possible for. Let me pray for you this morning. Uh, worship team, you can come to the platform. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. And thank you for the principles found in your word. This, this story of David and Goliath, it's not just a, a good story. There's a principle in there about overcoming the impossible. There's a principle in there about living by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, and I want both of those things for my church. I want both of those things for everybody in this room. The power to overcome what seems impossible in their life and the power to live by your spirit. I want both of those things for everyone in this room. I want both of those things for everyone who's watching online. God, I pray today 
for us, that, that you would begin to speak to us. You would continue speaking to us today about the giants and about taking down giants and, and, and what it's going to take to overcome the impossible, what, what seems impossible to us. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're here today and, and maybe this taking down the giants thing doesn't make any sense to you because you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You don't know exactly what I'm talking about because you've never experienced his power, his grace, his mercy, his love. Well, today could be the day where everything changes for you. If you're here today and you say, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I want to start one. I want to pray with you. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can, so I can know who I'm praying with. But there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing. It's just you taking a step saying, I want to follow the Lord. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to point anybody out. So right now I'm going to make it a private moment. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to make this a private moment, a personal moment. Nobody looking around. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Ryan, I want to receive Jesus. I want to start living for Jesus. Well, I want to pray with you. If that's you, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand so I can know who I'm praying with. One, God loves you. Two, it's time to come home to him. Three, right now, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it high so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. You can put your hand down. It's awesome. What I want to do right now is, it's, if you raised your hand, or, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you, you wish you would have, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. If you're online and you raised your hand, I, I want to lead you in a prayer right now, but I don't want anybody to feel like singled out or picked on, so I'm going to ask everyone in the house, to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone in the house, lift your voices and say this. Say, Jesus, today I confess my sin. Today I confess that I've fallen short of your standard. Take my life and make it new. I receive your forgiveness. Teach me to trust you more and more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? That's awesome. That's so cool. If you did pray that prayer, maybe you're online and you prayed that prayer, let us know. Um, we have resources. We don't just want to, if you prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. And we don't just want to send you on your way. We want to put resources in your hand so that you can get started on this journey with the Lord. We have resources at the info table out in the lobby. Um, so, um, Grab one on your way out. If you're online, let us know. We'll get, we'll get one to you somehow. We'll mail it or I'll drop it off. I, doesn't, I just want to get it in your hands, you know. So um, let us know. But what I want to do right now is I want to take a moment and I want to respond to the Spirit of God. I want to take a moment and, and just maybe we can sing, sing praises to Him or you can just take a time and meditate and reflect or you can pray. But I just want to take a moment and just respond. So um, stand with me if you would, please. Um, I'll pray. The worship team's going to lead us. And then however you're comfortable, 
let's, let's take some time and just respond to God. It's not going to be a long time. It's going to be a few minutes, but let's respond to him right now. God, thank you. Thank you for the word today, God. Thank you that um, you want to empower us to take down the giants that are keeping us from experiencing all you have for us. We give you glory today, God. In Jesus' name. Worship team, lead us.